church. Lean into him this morning. His presence is so real in this place today. Lord, we praise you. We thank you today that you call us. You redeem us. You speak to us right where we're at today. We receive that word. Oh, somebody receive that word over your life today. Receive that over your situation today. Just allow the Lord just to minister to your heart right now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this place. Holy Spirit, remind us that you've called us by name, that you see where we are, that we are not alone, that we are not abandoned, that you know exactly where we are, that you are walking in and with us, so you have not left us alone. Holy Spirit, we thank you for that today. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Holy Lord, we praise you in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's sing that little bridge again. You amaze, you amaze me, me Sing that over your life today. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go. as we unpack the truth of your word what we've just sang is what we're going to talk about today so Lord we pray that as you've spoken into this room through this time of worship as you've confirmed it by your presence that we sense and feel in this place today God I pray that you would just tune our ears today very keenly to your word Lord, we pray that whatever it is you want to say to individual hearts and lives today, we pray and ask today for transformation. We pray today, God, that those who are walking through deep valleys today would find the light at the end of the tunnel before this service is over. God, we pray for hope. We pray for clarity. I pray, God, you anoint me today to speak your word and anoint your people to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, as always, for leading us in the worship. Such an awesome job. I hope you guys realize how blessed we are to have such an incredible team of musicians and singers. You see different people. Somebody who's new to our church family told me a few weeks ago, they said, man, where do you get all these singers and folks at? I see different people up there all the time. I'm like, the Lord just sends us to us. And... Uh, some of them go away to college and they come back and they're up here singing today, but we're just, we're blessed. Amen. I want to uh, mention today that we're really, really excited to have a young man with us today that we haven't seen in a long time. 
And that's Mr. Justin Gay. He has been serving in the military in Japan for how many years now, Justin? Three years. Seems like 30, didn't it? Seems like it's been longer to three, didn't it, Mom and Dad? And he is in the middle of a transition and is going to be headed to, uh, to another post here soon. And he is a longtime part of our church family. And uh, I've known Justin. Give him a hand this morning. Justin was one of those teenagers that had the spiritual gift of greeting all the new good-looking girls when they came in the, in the youth group. He just had that ability, I'm telling you, man. And uh, I knew that any girls who came to the youth group, they were, they were going to be covered because Justin was going to be there with a smile and a handshake. And, man, it's so good to see you. Um, thank you for your service. We're glad that you're home this weekend. Well, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Psalms chapter 23 as we continue this series we're in uh, from Psalm 23. And if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along with the scriptures and the points today. If you hear some water flowing today, you're not, it's not a, a sermon illustration. Water is flowing today as we're getting, getting the baptistry warmed up uh, for water baptism that we have. Just happen to have everybody who's getting baptized today comes to the second service. And so if you want to go home and watch it live, you can or catch it later. We've got uh, five or six children today and two teenagers who are getting baptized. So that's, that's pretty awesome. So we're, we're excited about that. So join with me together as we've been doing over the last few weeks in this series. Let's read this passage together today. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. If I asked you this morning to create a list of the most influential, larger-than-life Bible characters, uh, you probably wouldn't have a problem coming up with a list. Probably uh, we would all have Jesus at the top, right? But following closely behind him, you may list men like Abraham or Joseph, perhaps Moses or Joshua, You might go all the way over to the minor prophet Daniel and list Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But no list of the most influential Bible characters larger than life would be complete without naming David. You could argue when you read David's story from beginning to end that his story has more adventure, more intrigue, And more twists and turns than possibly anybody else in Scripture. Think about David's resume for a moment. It starts with him as a young boy. And we learn that he fought off a bear and a lion to protect his sheep. We learn that David was chosen as the youngest of his tribe. Selected by God and anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. Long before that would ever even 
take place. We learned that David used to have a job with, um, with one of those companies that, that delivers food. And uh, his dad sent him out to the front lines one day with lunch. And when he got there, he heard the voice of this uh, giant named Goliath. And David looked and he said, who does this guy think he is? And he picked up a slingshot and a stone and knocked him dead and cut off his head and walked into town with it. This is the same guy who was hired by Saul to play his music to soothe Saul's soul that at times didn't work as Saul threw his arrows at David. David would then go on the run from Saul and would be found in caves and in valleys throughout his life. And David would then offer unashamed and undignified praise as the Ark of the Covenant was returned back to the city named after him. David would be known as a courageous and mighty warrior on one hand, but on another attempted thief who would steal away another man's wife and then mastermind a murderous plot. David experienced great sorrow at the loss of one son and even greater misery from the rebellion of another. It's this real life, larger than life character who pins the words of the most quoted passage in all of scripture, Psalm 23. And as King David pulls out his pen to write, he reaches way back into his past as a young shepherd boy to say these words, when I look at my life, the highs and the lows, the mountains and the valleys, here's how God has interacted with me. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Yahweh is presently my personal shepherd, one who leads, guides, and directs me. And because the Lord is my shepherd, David confidently makes a four-word declaration. I shall not want. I shall not want because he leads me into green pastures. Green pastures, places of provision and contentment and reflection. I shall not want because he leads me to still waters, places of refreshment where the Holy Spirit activates the word that I've received in the green pastures. And then David tells us that when the Lord is my shepherd, he's also my guide because he leads me on paths of righteousness for his namesake. And all of this has led us all to a place where each week we've declared this. Let's say this together today. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. David writes with unwavering confidence because if I'm holding David's resume in my hand and looking at it, he writes with so much assuredness because of the first bullet point on that resume because he was a shepherd. He has the life experiences the courageous stories. He can probably pull up his shirt and show you a few battle scars that he has from those times of being a shepherd. And we've pointed out that as David pins this word, he, he's using plural uh, words. He talks about green pastures and still waters and paths of righteousness. And we've learned that this psalm is not a stationary psalm, which is key to today. It's not like the image that we would get in our minds of a shepherd and his sheep just in one place for days and weeks and months. Rather, Psalm 23 is a motion picture, 
of a shepherd and his sheep, continually on the move, migrating from one pasture to the next. So, so far, these first three verses of Psalm 23 have provided for us incredible hope and amazing reassurance of how a shepherd gets gets us and cares for us. But then we reach verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I read that and I think, Man, David, you could have left that part out. I mean, we were in green pastures just a few minutes ago. We were by still waters. You know, our souls were restored. We were on paths of righteousness. I mean, David, I thought you were a glass half full kind of guy. Now you're going glass half empty. I mean, David, I didn't realize you were so negative. But David's not trying to be negative. He is being realistic. Because what he's describing As a shepherd and as God deals with us as a shepherd and sheep are the natural rhythms, the natural ways that a shepherd would care for his sheep. And he can't leave this part out because he knows that part of it is migrating from one pasture to another. And to get from one green pasture to another green pasture, sometimes you have to go through some dark and dangerous places. Some people speculate that when David wrote Psalm 23, he had a specific place in mind. It is known as the Wadi Kelt Gorge. Here's a picture of it. It's near Bethlehem, and David would have probably led his sheep through the Wadi Kelt Gorge many times to reach uh, seasonal green pastures and waters and, and to move him from one area, maybe from a Jericho to a Bethlehem or wherever it might have been. The word wadi is a Middle Eastern term that means ravine or deep valley. But the history of the Wadi Kelt Gorge doesn't just exist in the Old Testament, it exists in the New as well. Some believe that this was the specific area that Jesus was describing when he wrote and told one of his most, uh, most important and well-remembered parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It looks like the Wadi Kelt Gorge would have been a place where someone could have been attacked by robbers and abandoned, doesn't it? But theologians also believe that when you read Matthew's gospel, Matthew 18 through 21, that those chapters that lead up to Jesus going into Jerusalem for the last week of his life That if you follow the progression, we understand that Jesus likely walked through the Wadi Kelt Gorge on his way into town to give his life on a cross for you and me. Here's the point. Because the good shepherd went through that valley, because David knew what it was like to go through that valley, we don't need to worry as we approach the valley. The good shepherd... And David, the shepherd, have been through it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to methodically unpack verse 4. Let's look at it again in its its, uh, completeness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So let's start by unpacking and looking at the first word, yea. 
Really, Pastor, you're going to unpack? Yay, I am. Because every word in this poem is very intentional. Now, this isn't a yay like at a ball game, okay? This is a yay as in yes. In its context, it contextually links verses 3 and 4. It's a connecting word that reinforces our belief that Psalm 23 is the story of a journey, not a still life scene. The passage, in effect, is saying, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yes, somebody say yes. Yes, even when those paths lead into dark canyons. You see, when you and I are in the Lord's will and following His guidance as best as we can, we're on the right paths even when they snake through deep, dark, difficult valleys that might be right where he wants us to be even if we don't want to be there yea yes though I walk the next word to unpack is the word walk though I walk represents the necessary transitions that we've been talking about as we've gotten this picture in our mind throughout the series of a shepherd who moves his sheep from one passage, from one pasture to another. And here's the point David is making. We don't walk through these valleys. I'm sorry, we don't run through these valleys, but we walk through these valleys. Neither, listen, do we pitch a tent in these valleys. Neither do we set up camp in these valleys. Are you listening this morning? David intentionally uses the word walk to indicate motion, movement, and progress. We walk with God through the valley of the shadow of death. In his book, The Treasury of David, Charles Spurgeon said this about walk. He said, walk indicates the steady advance of a soul who knows the road, knows its end, resolves to follow the path, feels quite safe, and is perfectly calm and composed. Yes, though I walk. The next word we come to is the word through. Somebody say through. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Now notice what David does not say. Again, David does not say, though I walk in the valley. The emphasis is on the word through, which indicates a temporary state, a transition, a brighter path ahead, a hopeful future. Yes, I am in the valley But I am walking. I'm steadily moving through this valley. Robert J. Morgan in his book, The The Lord is My Shepherd, said this. For Christians, problems are always temporary and blessings are always eternal. Look at that. I I want you to get that this morning. Let that sink in. For Christians, problems are always temporary and blessings are always eternal. As opposed to non-Christians whose blessings are temporary and whose problems are eternal. Do you get that? That's good. Somebody say that's good. I hope you got that because that's real good. See what he's saying is that valleys don't go on forever. We are walking through the valley. 
Now remember what we said in verse 2. The shepherd makes us to lie down where? In green pastures. Does he make us lie down in the valley? No. We don't lie down in the valley, but we walk through it. Herein lies the problem with a lot of believers. Is everybody awake and listening? Too many of us, when we walk in and through valleys, we set up camp. And we stay there for a while. And whether it's because we just want a pity party. Can we be real this morning? Somebody say, Pastor, get real. Some people want a pity party because they just want all the attention on them. Okay, I want you to know how bad it is. But sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it is bad. It's a dark season. We're going to talk in a second about what that word valley represents. But some people get in the valley and they set up camp and they set up a couple of tents and they get the fire going and the, and the food pot and we're, we're here for a while. But that's not what David is talking about, y'all. David says we're to walk what? Through the valley. We're going from one side to the next as I was thinking about this yesterday, I remember a song that, that uh, we used to sing. Or I, I, well, actually, I didn't sing, but I remember hearing a group sing it in the 80s. And the, name, and, and the song, the lyrics went like this. I'm going to walk right out of this valley, lift my hands and praise the Lord. Ain't going to let old Satan get me down. Why should I sit here till I die? Heaven's awaiting a little bit higher. I'm going to walk out of this valley with my Lord. Yes, I'm in a valley, but I'm walking through the valley. One more time. Somebody say through. I hope you're getting it this morning. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Next stop, the valley. Let's talk about the valley. I told you we were going to methodically go through this this morning. I thought about this, okay? This word valley. Imagine for a second... If as believers, we had to take the word valley out of our vocabulary. What if we had to take the word valley out of all the songs that we write and sing? Somebody's like, I'll be on the thesaurus looking for another word to use instead of valley. Do you get the idea? I mean, we use the word valley a lot. We, we, we sing it in a lot of our songs. We describe it. In the way we talk about the seasons and the things we go through. Why do we use this word so often? Because the valley is a real place, y'all. It is a real place. We use it often because we find ourselves in that place. The valley represents those dark nights of the soul. Those extremely difficult seasons in life. Those moments where we're saying, God, where are you? It's disease and disability. It's protracted legal troubles. It's losing a job. It's prolonged financial pressures. It's a loved one in crisis or children in trouble or war on the news or marriage on the ropes or loneliness, addiction, depression, anxiety, fear, terminal disease, old age, death. All of those represent the valley. And if I didn't say yours, put yours in the blank. Let's face it. We'd rather be in the green pastures. We'd rather be on the mountain heights because valleys can be long, dark, and severe. The shadows are deep and the temperatures are chilly there because the sun has been hidden. But don't let anyone ever tell you. Church, listen. 
that if you were a true Christian, you wouldn't go through valleys. There's some people out there who would say to you, you know, if you were really strong in your faith, you wouldn't go through that. You wouldn't go through that terminal sickness in your family. If you had enough faith, then, then nobody would be sick. That's not what my Bible says. The Psalms are full, not just Psalm 23, of David crying out to God from a variety of caves and deserts and dark places and valleys and saying, God, what's up? Where are you? Why am I going through this stuff? Matt Chandler, in his Psalm 23 study on Right Now Media, said this. There is a grotesque kind of insidious prosperity gospel nonsense. Man, I love that, Matt. That's good. That can take root in our hearts without us knowing it. We can begin to believe that if I'm just good, that if I'm just good, if I just do what's right, then nothing difficult will ever befall my life. And then Pastor Chandler goes on to say, I just want to say to you with great empathy that it's simply not true. You and I will in different seasons, at different times, enter into this valley and almost all of us would rather not be in it. Think about it. You read your Bible from cover to cover. You see people going through valleys, storms, deserts, wildernesses. And often you read that it says specifically God led them to that place. God led the Hebrews out of Egypt into a wilderness valley. Now God's original plan was not for them to stay for 40 years. It was supposed to be just a temporary place between Egypt and the promised land. But because they were disobedient and because they griped and complained to God, God said, okay, if this is what you want, not after once, once or twice, but after multiple times, God said, if this is what you want, this is what you get. And because of their disobedience, they walked in circles. It's in your Bible for 40 years. Make no mistake, that was not God's original plan for them. They were supposed to just go through and pass from one place to another. But they set up camp in the valley because they couldn't get over their past. And they kept saying, well, I wish we were back in Egypt. Somebody needs to hear this this morning that sometimes God will say, okay, pal, if that's what you want, if this is how it's going to go, if I'm not your shepherd and the past is your shepherd and you're moaning and complaining is your shepherd and you're just going to stay stuck, then stay stuck without me. I'll be here when you cry out and need me. I'll get you to the promised land. But if that's what you're going to do, then be there for a while. Those heroes of the faith that we talked about a while ago, they're on our minds not because they had carefree, perfect lives, but because they endured difficulties and survived life's valleys. Even Jesus, y'all, the scripture said he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There's something we must understand about valleys. They may have shadows and sorrows, but as we said in the previous point, valleys are through passages. Consider this, Psalm 23 verse 4 does not speak of a cave or a dead entrail. It's a valley which, watch this, has an opening on one side, the side you walked in, and has an opening on the other side, the side you're going to go out of. You're just walking through the valley. 
Think about the Israelites. They were trapped as they left Egypt. It appeared against the Red Sea. But the same God who got them out of Egypt got them across the Red Sea. And the same God that led you in the valley is the same God who will lead you out of the valley. Somebody give God praise today for that. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than y'all are awake this morning. I ain't said that in a while. I just needed to lay that out there for you. Y'all awake? Y'all awake? All right, here we go. Yea, thou walk through the valley of what? The valley of what? The shadow of death. Once again, notice very carefully the words that David uses. It's not the valley of death. There is a death valley. It's out in the western part of the United States. But this is not it, y'all. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow remains. Listen to this. Someone said that, someone once said that where there is a shadow, there must be light. And so it is true of this passage as well. Have you ever heard anybody say, describing somebody else who is really fearful, they're afraid of their own shadow? You've heard that saying. Do you remember when your kids were little, real little, the first time they saw their shadow and they were scared of it? But once you realize what the shadow is, nobody's scared of, of a shadow. See, the, the shadow of a dog can't bite. The shadow of a sword can't kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy. Because as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we will emerge on the other side. Why? Because as we said a while ago, Jesus set his face like a flint to Calvary and walked through the Wadi Kelt Gorge on his way to Calvary. We have victory because of Calvary. We have victory because of an empty tomb. Paul said we don't grieve as those who have no hope. So yes, you will and I will and you have and I have gone through times and seasons of tragedy and death. But as believers, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Amen? Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. If I'm going to live after I die, guess what? I was never dead. I love to be able to stand and do a funeral of somebody I know who knows the Lord. And one of the first things I say is, y'all, they're not dead. It may it may appear like there's a shell of a body here, but they're alive, more alive now than they've ever been before. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, say it with me, you also will live. It's only the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. So listen to what David says next. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, though I walk through it, my resolve is this. I will fear no evil. Somebody say it with me this morning. I will fear no evil. David does not say that there will be no evil. Evil will show up in the valley, rather that I will fear no evil because evil is a conquered foe. Evil has already had his can kicked out back by Jesus, amen? Evil is a defeated enemy. 
How can David be so confident? How can David say these things and make such a courageous statement? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David knew what it was like to go through death. He had experienced it in his family. He had experienced it in his life. And he says, even though I'm going through this, and as I said in week one, some theologians believe that David wrote this when he was on the run for his life Because his son Absalom was taking the throne and after him. But he says, I will fear no evil. How can he say it? Because in the valley of the shadow of death, we're guaranteed a couple of things. It's about to get real good, y'all. He is with us and he is there to comfort me. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Sounds like it'd be a good line to put in a song. Oh, wait a minute. We sang that a few minutes ago, right? You are with me. I am not alone. See, this is the joy of the Christian. Come on, Christian. Smile at me today. This is the joy of the Christian that even though I walk through the valley, I am not alone. He is with me during those times. See, when the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil. When the Lord is my shepherd, I know he is with me. When the good shepherd, Yahweh, is present, I can have perfect comfort and absolute security. So many times I found myself quoting this verse in Psalm 46, 1 through 2, to myself and to other people in times of going through the valley of the shadow of death. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. If there's a verse that you need to memorize and put in your file of your brain that you can pull out, that's it right there. Say it with me. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The psalmist is saying five things right here. He's saying God is our help. God is a present help. God is a very present help. God is a very present help in what? Anybody ever had trouble? Trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I've said before, when you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And why is it, what is that therefore, therefore? It's there to bridge the gap to say that even though trouble is present, we will not fear because we start that psalm by saying, God, somebody say, God, God is my refuge and my strength. This is, this, this is communicated all throughout the scripture. Listen to this, Psalm 118. The psalmist says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. God said to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God spoke the same words to Joshua. He said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Isaiah spoke these words, and we sang this this morning in, in, in what we were singing today. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I will be with you. And then the next verse. One more important verse in this phrase. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen to the last eight words of this verse in complete context. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How does the shepherd comfort the sheep? His rod and his staff. In other words, I am reassured by the shepherd's equipment. The, the shepherd is not ill-prepared as he goes through the valley of the shadow of death. We might say the shepherd comes armed and packing. Southern folks, you got that? That means the shepherd's packing as he leads you through the valley. What's he packing? He's packing a rod and a staff. This is the best rod I could come up with, okay? But I think it works because you probably have had one of these under your bed at some point before you could afford something that really was packing material, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And you might still have one. I tell you what, if I can hit somebody coming in my house with an Easton, it's going to be pretty good. I I think I'm going to take care of business, right? So the rod and the staff. Two different tools of the shepherd. So so get this in your mind. The shepherd is leading the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. But he has the tools and the equipment ready for it. The rod was a club. It was a club that was used, look at this, to fend off and protect from any enemies that may come to, to overwhelm the flock. So if a wolf comes up to overtake the flock, then the shepherd grabs that club and wham, knocks him out. He's got this club ready at all times, no matter what's happening. So with one hand, he's knocking off those things that are coming against the sheep and the flock. And on the other hand, he's got the classic shepherd's staff. Now this isn't the classic one. Normally there's a hook in it, but there's a little bit of one in here. But the point is that This is used to help lead and guide the sheep. Because if I'm going through the Wadi Kelt, as you saw, can you imagine leading sheep through that? Then I'm going to have to have this to to guide and direct the sheep. Because the sheep are going to want to go to the edge, right? But i got to use this to pull them. Anybody ever gone close to the edge and the Holy Spirit reached out with that staff and grabbed you by the neck and pulled you back in and said, No, sir, no, ma'am, come back this way. Anybody? Anybody ever had the Lord take the club? It's really for your enemies, but some of us, we might need the club. Wham, come on, man, get in line. But think about it. The shepherd, this is a beautiful image, because the shepherd's not just way out in front, just saying, come on, y'all, good luck as you follow me. The shepherd is actively leading. He's actively watching all 
around to see what's coming. He's there to protect and he's there to guide. Are you getting this? He's there to protect and there to guide. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever that might be for you, he is there, he's equipped, and he's prepared to lead you through that. Those are the tools that he uses for a specific purpose. Whether the danger is from the outside, necessitating necessitating the rod, or from my own foolishness, requiring the staff, I have a shepherd who's watching carefully and guarding constantly. And what do these two tools do? They comfort me. The last three words of verse 4. They comfort me because I have the comfort to know that my shepherd has got my back. That even though I'm walking through a dark and a difficult season and the enemy is howling and he's coming in in those dark places and he's trying to take me out, that the Holy Spirit through the power of God and the resurrection of Jesus has the power to knock the enemy off his feet. I'm comforted to know that as I'm walking this path and I've said that the Lord is my shepherd, that he's the one who's going to lead me and guide me into those situations, that he's fighting for me and he's leading me through difficult terrain. The rod and the staff are the vehicle. I'm sorry, the tools are the rod and the staff. But the vehicle is the word and the Holy Spirit. The tools are the rod and the staff, but the vehicle is the Word and the Holy Spirit. Those green pastures that we ate on, that we said the Holy Spirit comes along and activates the Word inside of us. How many of you have ever gone through the valley of the shadow of death or gone through a valley and the Holy Spirit came along and activated the Word that you had put inside of your heart? through you reading it or praying it or singing it or whatever it might be. Paul describes it like this. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father and the God, the Father of compassion. And the God of all what? The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Somebody in our Wednesday night class said this past week that sometimes we go through those valleys to receive the comfort of God so that God can use us, as Paul says, to comfort somebody else. The good shepherd was leading his flock. Jesus the good shepherd leading his flock, the disciples. But right before he left, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the comforter. Remember, they comfort me. In John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. As Kevin, if you'll come and begin to play for me as we wrap this up today. Jesus says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper. I've been your helper But he's going to give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. That word helper can be translated to mean advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor. Depends on which translation of the Bible you read. That word is interchanged. But the helper, 
the Comforter, the Encourager, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In John 16, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you. Amen? Let's look at it one more time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So this morning we close with this. There's a question that you and I need to answer. If we're in a season where we find ourselves in the valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, even if you're not in that season right now, if you're, if you're in green pastures and mountaintops, at some point life's going to lead you through the valley again and again. But when you find yourself in that season, here's the question today. Are you turning to Jesus, the good shepherd? Or are you turning to other devices? It really comes down to the very first question we asked in week one of this series. And this goes for the entire series. Because if I told you week one, if you get this right, the rest of the series makes sense. Blank is my shepherd. That is the determining factor about how you're going to do life. Whether or not you're going to be in green pastures, still waters, or whether or not you're going to camp in the valley. Who is your shepherd? Who are you running to? Who is in the blank? Are you running to alcohol? Are you running to food? Are you running to pornography? Are you running to inappropriate relationships? Are you perhaps running to your money or your position in your job or in your business? Are you running to the other, these other places to find comfort in things that only can be found in the presence of Jesus? Because here's the fact. If I put anything else in that blank, that thing in that blank will abandon me when I get in the valley of the shadow. That bottle of alcohol will leave me right in the valley. Those two hours on pornography will leave me right in the valley. My money, when the economy dips again, and the government's not giving out checks every two weeks, will leave me right in the valley. That wasn't in my notes. Where did that come from? They'll abandon us. Because, and Jesus told us this. Listen to what the good shepherd said in John 10. He said, the hired hand, the hired hand is all those things we just described. The hired hand is not the shepherd. The hired hand doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, the hired hand, the alcohol, the pornography, the food, the money, is not the club to knock those things off. The hired hand drops them and takes off running. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because 
He's hired. He cares nothing for the sheep. Those things that we run to care nothing for us. But there is a good shepherd who will leave the 99 and go find the one. So every part of this psalm is crucial to our well-being, our security, our protection, our contentment, the green pastures, the still waters, the restored souls, the path of righteousness. But if I don't get through the valley of the shadow, listen to me today. If you don't get through the valley, then you don't get back to green pastures. See, on the other side of the valley are more green pastures and more still waters and more places for my soul to be restored and yeah on the other side of that there's another valley so here's what we got to do y'all we just got to get good at following the shepherd we got to get good and allowing him to whack us with a rod or staff or whatever we need so we will stay in line and let me show you one more thing before we finish up because we've reached the halfway point of this psalm and I think this is something pretty cool to see Look at this psalm in its entirety this morning. I know it's really small and uh, it's difficult to see all of it. But what I want you to see is right smack dab in the middle of this psalm, almost word for word, if you count the words out, there's only just a couple of words difference. All the ADHD people are now counting words. Stop counting words, just see this. You can count it when you get home. Right smack dab in the middle of this psalm is those five words that are bold for you are with me is that cool or what right in the middle because we're not through yet I mean there's even better stuff than green pastures and still waters coming in the next few weeks we're about to get to the table boy I like the table anybody else like the table we'll get to the table in a couple weeks but right there in the middle he says for you are with me And it reminded me of a song that we used to sing. When I was youth pastor, we sang this song a lot. I loved this song. It was one of my favorite songs. It was written by Matt and Beth Redman in 2005. And the lines say this, Oh no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. You never let go of me. And in the bridge, oh my goodness, I can see a light. What do we say about the valley? You come in on one side and you go out the other. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. I can see a light that's coming for the heart that what? Holds on. And there will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, I will praise you. I will praise you. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. As the worship team comes in today, and nobody's looking around today, we're going to close with prayer this morning and just invite the presence of the Lord today into this place and into your heart specifically. He's already in this place, but into whatever specific situation that you may have and what you're dealing with today. These guys are going to lead a song today to close us out that says exactly what we've been preaching this morning. And as they sing this today, I want you to declare this over your life, over the valleys 
in your life today. I want to close this morning in prayer specifically. The altars are open, and here's what I want to do. If you're going through a valley, maybe you know somebody who's going through a valley, and you want to stand in for them today. It may not be the valley of the shadow of death, but it may be a valley that has incredible consequences in your life and in your mindset. I want us together as a church body to pray with you today. And so these altars are open. And if you would like prayer today, we're going we're gonna to join with you and believe in prayer today. So as they begin to sing this today, if you'll come, if you're going through a valley or you want special prayer today about something that's going on in your life, I want to pray with you this morning. So would you come? Anybody today who would like special prayer, if you'll come and you guys begin to sing today. If the mountains were where you hide, oh, how far I scale the valleys. If you grace the other side, oh, how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rock? of grace descending from the source of its supply cause in the highlands and the heart you need a more or less inclined I would search and stop at nothing you're just not that hard to find I will praise you in the
Father, we thank you today that you have not abandoned us even when we feel it and we feel alone and we don't have the answers. But God, we thank you that your word today has reassured us that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, that you are with us. God, that the same God who walked us into the valley, walked with us into this dark place, is the same God who's going to walk us out of this place. And God, I pray today, Lord, for your people, that as they leave this place today, that God, they would leave reassured like never before of the abiding genuine, real, tangible presence of a holy, gracious, loving, kind, and present good shepherd who is there to comfort and walk and love us through every situation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lift your hands in this place right now and give him thanks. God, thank you for what we've received today in song and in word. We receive this word today, and we walk out of here saying, The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Somebody say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Say it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being in worship today. We look forward to seeing you back here Wednesday night for Family Ministries Night. Have a good afternoon.